I don't have anything bad to say about Logan Paul. He's a very impressive young man. He's just not going to upset the tribal chief. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and yes, believe your ears, ATB is back as promised. Bigger, badder, better than ever. If you haven't noticed already, I've had my world-class producers sweeten my audio so I, in fact, sound 33.3% more handsome than the last time you saw me. Since the last time you heard me, Vic Joseph has been frozen permanently in carbonite. We may never hear from him ever again. Crown Jewel is tomorrow. The wise man, Paul Heyman, is here. But I would be remiss to forget the other half of this brand new equation. He is my broadcast partner on Monday Night Raw. He is now taking the second chair at ATB, a responsibility that cannot be lost upon his shoulders. He is Mr. Kevin Patrick. KP, welcome officially to ATB. Yeah, cheers, my man. Delighted to be here. And and thanks very much to Vic. Vic's kindly passed the baton on to me. Vic, an absolute legend. Appreciate you. And and now I get to work with you twice a week. You are going to be so sick of me. It's going to be unbelievable. Monday, we spend all day together. And now a little bit here during the week as well on ATB. But I'm buzzing for a gravy. The company is putting a lot of faith in me that I am going to be able to tolerate (laughs) Kevin Patrick two days a week. Listen, I think it's going to work out. Vic survived as long as he did. And again, thank you to everything Vic has brought to the show in the past. Vic is not going anywhere. Still a valuable member of our announced team. Still one of my closest friends. We just needed to change things up a little bit, a fresh coat of paint. And Kevin, we, you and I got a chance to do an interview this past week with Sports Illustrated uh, regarding this relaunch of ATB. And we discussed how this is an opportunity for you, KP, to learn as a WWE broadcaster, as well as an opportunity for the audience, the listeners, to sort of hear a different perspective of what you and I do each and every week as we break down Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Yeah, look, when you're in that chair broadcasting for three hours, and I do main event before Raw as well, so you're three hours and 45 minutes pretty much in that chair. There's so much going on with the, the traffic of the show. We're steering it right, left. We're, we're, we're talking about characters. We're calling matches. There's an awful lot going on that you don't really get to. And I haven't yet. I feel like, you know, it's Thursday. If you and I are working a, a week together, like the normal human being, we're on Thursday right now. We're wrapping up and we're getting ready for Friday because we've only had four days together on the job. But I feel like we're, we're, we're really growing. You've been more gracious and kind than anyone will ever believe. And I know you'll probably stop me in my tracks here, but you're like an armadillo. Edit you're this. crunchy Edit on this the outside. Out. You're soft on the inside. And you've got a lovability about you that people need to know because you've kindly given me the coffees in the mornings, the beer in the evenings. And we've been chatting about this industry, this wonderful business that we're part of. And it's been so much fun so far alongside you, Graves. So I appreciate you massively. This has got to be some sort of record. Within like two minutes of being on After the Bell, you've already dropped the hottest take of all time. You referred to me as lovable. I disagree, but I digress. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. KP, I got to ask you, You've been around our company now for what, a year and a half, go, come up on two years. You've got a lot of backstage duties. Uh, you, you sat in here on ATB with me several weeks back. You're really getting an opportunity to try out so many different facets of WWE and all there is to offer. But now I know we're only a few weeks in, but you are in the seat. 
You are in the hot seat. You are in the same seat that has been occupied by the greats over the years. A lot of people have sat there. What have been your biggest takeaways and your biggest challenges from where you sit in this adjustment? Because let's be honest, which we try to do here on ATB, be as honest and transparent as possible. It's an incredibly difficult job. There's a reason why there's been a turnover. It, it's not for everybody, but you have, have taken to it and you're putting in the work and your passion and your work ethic are evident. What have been your biggest takeaways and challenges thus far? I think the feel for it, if that makes any sense at all, that smell and feel for every single moment within a three-hour show is quite complicated. And I know you'll totally agree with that. Like you've been part of this business for way more than half your life, right, Gravy? And yet I'm sure when you jumped into commentary at first, that feel for, do I jump in right now? Wait, let, let this breathe. You know, like Roman's about to say something in front of the camera like he did as he's leaving uh, ringside on Monday. Just shut up, lay out, leave it be. But at other moments, I'm figuring out that I need to jump in maybe a little bit quicker. It's all com- completely and utterly nuanced throughout the entire show. And it's figuring out that feel, I think, which will take time. It's not something that you're going to jump in and on your Thursday in a work week have that totally and utterly figured out. Um, it, it's, a, it's a privilege. It's an absolute joy to be in this role. And I hope, I hope you know, folks will take to me and take to us in time. The other thing that I've noticed, and I didn't notice this as much from backstage, and I'd be chatting to everybody backstage and you'd be busy, whether it's you know, live interviews, whether it's raw talk, whether it's digital exclusives, whatever it may be, you're, you're kind of dragged left, right and center backstage an awful lot of the time. And you'll watch the show back a few days later and you'll do your homework. But to experience certain superstars, have the fans in the palm of their hand for me is mind boggling. And folks know that from being at the shows that there's certain guys and there's three that stand out to me that are operating at their operatic high note right now. And that's Roman Reigns, that's Brock Lesnar, and that's Seth Rollins. It's three guys that when they speak, everybody shuts up. Or when Seth looks at that crowd, they instantly go, Ooh, oh. and it's unreal to witness it. Like Seth Rollins can have Austin Theory in a hold and just simply look up at the WWE universe and they start singing his song. And that is remarkable to me. The other person who's jumped right in again and has had them eaten out of the palm of of his hand is (laughs) JBL. I'm amazed by this guy, just how good he is. And obviously I've seen a lot of his work from the past, a Hall of Famer, an absolute legend. And I've had the pleasure of working with JBL on the kickoff shows and I know how good he is. But to see him just rock back up, there's no rust on that guy. Rocks back up and instantly, like in Dallas, in Texas, in his home state, to hear him say, you and your chubby woke hands, that popped me more than you could have. I tried not to burst out laughing on the microphone at the time. JBL's truly timeless. And you were on, unfortunately on the wrong end of a handicap match. Well, I believe it was your first or second week at the desk. You had to deal with me and JBL. And I feel like I'm a walk in the park compared to JBL when he gets going. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Shamrock, I feel like he could have gone in. Like, that's a two-footed lunge, right? Shamrock. But it could have been an awful lot worse. I'll take Shamrock if that's, if that's what he's got for me. Fair enough. Hey, you got to test you out. See what you're made of. You know what I mean? See if you're going to last <laughs> or not. Hey, well, let's, let's talk about what's in the future. Not for necessarily you and I, Kevin Patrick, but Crown Jewel. We have been barreling toward Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel, which airs tomorrow as this is released. Looking up and down the card, this card on paper has WrestleMania magnitude matches. Big time. We're going to start at the top with Roman and Logan. I'm going to wait until our special guest gets here because who better to speak on this match, on this subject, and on the tribal chief himself than Paul Heyman. And I'm also going to wait for Paul to ask him about the beast Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley 2, which I cannot wait to watch witness unfold. So let's look around the rest of the card. What has you excited at Crown Jewel tomorrow? Bailey Bianca. I'm going to jump in with Bailey and Bianca first because I've had the, 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 you know, the pleasure of chatting with both of these superstars about their matches over the past few weeks since Bailey burst back onto the scene alongside Io um, and Dakota at SummerSlam. And, and there's something special about Bailey when you see her behind the scenes, when you see her love for the business. And this is those, the, the blurred lines that we often talk about. And I, I've heard you on the show speak about it so often that a post on Instagram that Bailey will put out there saying that you don't have the love for this industry that I do. You don't bleed this industry. This industry is me. And and there's a little bit of that because Bianca's been on After the Bell talking about, you know, imposter syndrome, for example. So when, when I see a post like that and when I see it play out, on WWE, I think, wow, there's, and they, they get along, like they, they'll work together and put together an amazing match. 
However, there's an awful lot to that. And Bailey wants to get back to the summit again. Um, you know, she's been an incredible champion over the years, an unbelievable resume. But Bianca's had it now for over 200 days. Bailey, it feels to me like if she loses this match, does she have to get to the back of the line? Yes. And it, does she have it within her to get to the back of the line like Bianca did when, when Becky beat her? Listen, I, I know for a fact Bailey has the passion required to do that. But to your point, I think this is a must win for Bailey. We saw the momentum that damage control had since their inception at SummerSlam, the big reveal that Bailey was the puppet master and Bailey called the shots and said, Hey, Dakota and EO are going to do X, Y, and Z. And Dakota and EO have done X, Y, and Z like clockwork up until losing the women's tag team championships. Of course, this past Monday, you know, they want to get those back. But for Bailey, Bailey has been so vocal and the face of damage control. And she has been driving the force saying we're here to change things. We're here to take over. We want control. It wasn't just a, a happy pun, but Bailey came up short the last few times she's faced off. She has pinned Bianca, but let's be honest, it's it's under shady circumstances. There's interference, there's controversy. Bailey, to me, if Bailey fails to capture the Raw Women's title Saturday in Riyadh, I think all of the momentum that damage control as a unit have built disappears. I think it feels like they, they hit the highway, all four wheels on the ground, 100 miles an hour, but, uh-oh, the tires are getting a little low on pressure. Oh, wait, the steering's not quite as, as sharp as it was a few, few minutes ago, a few months ago. I feel like it's now or never for the trio of them at Crown Jewel. And while we're talking about now or never, I want to carry that same sentiment over into another massive matchup that we can't wait to check out. Karrion Cross. Drew McIntyre inside of a steel cage. Now, these are two of the biggest and baddest sons of guns in all of sports entertainment. We know what McIntyre's done. He's got a resume that speaks for itself. What we've seen from Karrion Cross has been impressive. I've been on this show, on my very own show, After the Bell, for months, maybe even years, dating back to the NXT days, that I think Karrion Cross is a big money player. But I've had to have second thoughts over the past really? few weeks. And not that I don't believe that Cross is capable. I think it's all about timing. Just like with Bailey. If Bailey doesn't win on Saturday, do I think Bailey's done as a WWE superstar? Absolutely not. I'd be willing to bet money she'll be a champion of some sort within another 365 days. We know what we have with Bailey. Cross came in with all of the pomp and the circumstance and the shocking arrival and attacking Drew McIntyre. And these two have literally tried to destroy each other over the past few months. But Cross needs that signature win. Cross needs that launch pad to make everybody else in the WWE universe believe that he is what he says he is, which I assume that Cross, maybe a few months, maybe a year down the road, could be a threat to Roman Reigns or whoever sits on top of the mountain. But I'm afraid Cross is in danger of never really getting out of the gates before he gets his wheels chopped out from underneath him. Yeah, but why against Drew McIntyre? My, my, my point on McIntyre is... Listen, there's certain superstars. Seth Rollins is the perfect example of a fella who, who doesn't exactly need to be winning championships to be at the very top of his game, right? Sure. You, you see certain superstars that, that are totally and utterly over with fans. Uh, one guy that stands out to me, maybe not at the, at, at the very highest level right now, is Chad Gable. Like Chad Gable, over the last five or six weeks has had to face returning superstar after returning superstar. And it's been, it's been difficult for him in many ways, yet he continues to impress. But Drew McIntyre, when he talks about, you know, when he talks, he talks about winning. He talks about brutalizing. And Drew McIntyre is, is he's the Scottish warrior. This is a fellow who, who went to Clash at the Castle and will feel he was screwed out of things by the bloodline. So all of a sudden, Karrion Cross is sitting front row. And he's staring at him and, and, and he's antagonizing Drew. Drew has that pent-up anger. He should have at least. And I don't feel that, I, I, I hear you and I see what you're saying and I absolutely see the potential in Karrion Cross and Scarlet's dynamite by his side. However, Drew McIntyre for me needs this victory more. After everything that's happened, after, you know, a lot of people have talked about carrying the company through COVID-19 and the era of the Thunderdome. He was sensational. He was WWE champion, yet you're going to get screwed out by the bloodline and now you're going to potentially lose to Karrion Cross. It would be a difficult one for Drew. And I, I just feel with that anger that's built up, 
Drew McIntyre can carry that momentum and put Kerry in a way. I think Karrion Cross is teetering on the verge of he can be a next-level superstar at this stage almost overnight. If Cross beats Drew McIntyre, the WWE fans, the WWE Universe will look at Cross and say, oh, this guy is the real deal. This guy beat our guy, the guy that we know, Drew McIntyre, that we are familiar with, the guy that we all assumed at Clash at the Castle was going to be the one that beat Roman Reigns. We thought Drew was that guy. Much like Bailey, we know what Drew's capable of. Drew's got a body of work. Drew has experience to draw from. And Drew will be a main event player for as long as he chooses to be in WWE. On the other side of the coin, for me, carrying Cross, it's been a slow burn. It's been a slow build, which I generally love. But I feel like you risk the WWE universe not looking at you as the star you say you are when you perpetually call your shot. I'm going to be the one that destroys Drew McIntyre. TikTok doomsday is here. Okay, it sounds good. I'm interested in what you're selling. All right, here's my money. I'm ready to buy it. And then once you buy the product, if it doesn't live up to the hype, are you inclined to buy that product again? And, and I'm look, I'm saying this, I'm using Cross as an example, but I think it, it bridges across the business as a whole. How many times have we had, no pun intended, the next big thing? Brock Lesnar lived up to the hype. Brock Lesnar was the next big thing. We've had a few over the years. Even Roman Reigns had to grow into that role. But Roman came out of the gate super strong, and then it was kind of, uh, are we? Yeah, yes, no, maybe. Obviously, Roman survived. Roman is thriving. Roman is the biggest star in the business right now. Not to say, again, if Karrion Cross doesn't win Saturday, not to say he won't be a major player for a long time to come, but I fear that in the eyes of the fans, they won't accept him as readily as this killer, as this major threat to everyone he sets eyes on, as if Karrion shows up in the steel cage on Saturday, defeats Drew McIntyre soundly, and then all of a sudden, oh, who does Karrion Cross want next? It doesn't matter who he wants next because we know what he just did to Drew McIntyre. Exactly, exactly. And remember, no Scarlet, most likely for this one because it is a steel cage match, of course. And another one for me, Corey, when we talk about must wins for the future, for their path, is the OC. We've witnessed it each and every week since they returned to, to in Gallows and Anderson to back up AJ Styles. They've been brutalized. They've been battered by the Judgment Day. I mean, even after Carl Anderson got the victory over Damian Priest on Monday, it was the Judgment Day standing tall at the end. If there's a group for me that need a victory on Saturday, a crown jewel, it's the OC over the Judgment Day. I completely agree with you. I think it was a great feel-good moment to see the Good Brothers return to Monday Night Raw alongside AJ Styles, who I think AJ would tell you himself he maybe needed a, a fresh coat of paint or, or a, a little you know kick in the rear end to get back to being the phenomenal one that we all know and love, the surefire Hall of Famer. But on the other side of the things, the Judgment Day, this is a group that initially, when Edge started it, Everybody had high hopes. Everyone was interested. Is this going to be a, a new brood sort of situation? Is this going to be a new faction? And then start, stop, start, stop. Edge is out. Finn is in. Oh, uh, they're not really getting steam. Uh, and we talk about it and we repeat it ad nauseum. But the X factor that is Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley is sitting in rarefied air right now. And, and there are comparisons that I think everybody who's been watching long enough want to draw I think it would be remiss to, to call that out because you never want to try to make a comparison as to what once was versus, oh, modern day this. Oh, she's the new this. No, no. Rhea Ripley in 2022 is doing some things that while we that have watched wrestling for decades remember vividly, a lot of people today, particularly younger WWE fans, are seeing Rhea Ripley, Seriously. an impressive physical specimen, body slam, 300-pound Luke Gallows, Rhea Ripley stand up to the male superstars and not bat an eyelash and not look like she should. It's a very unique spin on a character. And look, I, look, we're trying to be honest here. Obviously, the comparisons I'm drawing, China. Not to say that they are the same. China was an incredibly unique human being from what I understand and a, and a, a pioneer and a trailblazer in her own right. But the reason her legacy lives on as strongly as it does is because it was so different and so memorable because you saw a woman doing things that only men had done to that point. And we've seen Rhea do it on multiple occasions. And, and I think the biggest star to come out of the Judgment Day is, has been, and will continue to be Rhea Ripley. Yeah, but you can understand the comparisons because sure. we're talking about Rhea Ripley as the, this X Factor and wild card. And 
you watch the WWE Legends documentaries and you 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 hear whether it's Triple H or Road Dog talking about the secret sauce behind DX and, and that being China. And we're talking about Rhea Ripley in a similar vein, given that she is that wild card and X Factor right now. By the way, did you see in the background when Rhea Ripley just effortlessly lifts Gallows, who's just, as I said at the time, he's a chicken breast shy at 300 pounds, body slams him. Your reaction and my reaction was was as real as you could possibly imagine. I mean, I am barreling over the desk at this point. Look at it. What just happened right in front of our very eyes? Astounded by the strength of Rhea Ripley. I agree with you, but it's because you figure, at least from my perspective, I've been sitting at that desk for years now. I have seen and done or witnessed firsthand just about everything there is to uh, god dang brock lesnar nearly flipped the ring on me at SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah. i have seen quite a few things so there are there are probably a limited number of of incidents that could draw that reaction out of me where i i viscerally got up out of my seat in disbelief because i just watched rhea ripley body slam luke gallows that was absolutely insane but i think the judgment day right now are in a really sweet spot that i think a lot of people wouldn't have agreed uh, on Several months back, because as I mentioned, the start-stop nature. Uh, or, yeah, or they, how much hate is Dom getting now, too? Oh, my God. And that's, that's where I wanted to get to is, is aside from Rhea being the breakout star of the Judgment Day, I, 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 if you told me you saw it coming, I will call you a liar to your face. Dominic Mysterio, obviously, right now, being the most disliked superstar in the business, beyond WWE, there is nobody who is vociferously booed out of every arena every time he tries to open his mouth like Dominic Mysterio. I'm loving it because I'm, I'm a villain at heart. I, I appreciate what Dom's doing. And let's talk about the benefits to Dominic Mysterio of what's happening, right? We, we know what we're seeing on screen. Dom now has an opportunity to find himself as a superstar. You can't change your, your family lineage. Dominic can't change, nor would he change the fact that he is the son of the greatest luchador of all time, bar none, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is a living legend, somehow bigger than Hall of Fame to me. I think Rey Mysterio is that level. Rey's Rey's on the verge of pop culture icon. You know what I'm saying? Like People who don't watch wrestling know Rey Mysterio's mask. He's been doing it at such a high level for so long. It does cast a huge shadow on Dominic Mysterio. So there were expectations. And think of how many second, third generation superstars have come through this business that have sort of fizzled out. Just because you come from a great lineage doesn't mean you have what it takes, but it's because it comes with an expectation. And you either meet that expectation, you supersede that expectation, or you fall short. And there have been more superstars in the history of this game that have fallen short of living up to those expectations set by their their father, their grandfather, their uncle, whatever that may be. But for everyone that's failed, you have a Randy Orton. For everyone that failed, you have a Charlotte Flair. Dominic now has the chance and the pressure to really figure out who he is as a superstar. I think a lot of people looked at Dom when he was side-by-side with his dad. And I think in this day and age, as jaded as our fans are and and the way entertainment has trended over the past few years, people don't want a feel-good father and son story. No, but even backstage, they travel together, you know? They, 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 they travel in and out of the arena together. You'd see them side by side, father and son. No longer the case. They don't work together anymore. They're on different days. Rey Mysterio is the most over babyface in the business, in my opinion, right now. Would you agree with that? Perpetually, perpetually. And 365 days a year, any arena on earth, Rey Mysterio is beloved. So when Dominic Mysterio says that Eddie Guerrero was his generation's Dominic Mysterio... That like the booze around the arena, spine tingling stuff. It's it's smart, and, and Dom knows what he's doing. And I remember a few weeks back after seeing Dominic in in with the Judgment Day and doing what he does. I've never seen Dom look so comfortable because now Dominic is growing into and becoming Dominic rather than Rey Mysterio's son. And now with Rey on SmackDown, Dom has this this faction surrounding him. The Judgment Day. He's got Rhea. All eyes are on Dom, and Dom could just as easily fail as he has been succeeding. But in my opinion, this is exactly what Dominic needed to evolve and grow into a bona fide WWE superstar who stands on his own two feet. And while we watch that evolution and that growth, make no mistake about it, KP, we know it's coming down the pike. It may be six months from now. It may be a year from now. It may be three years from now. You think so? Inevitably, 
Ray has sworn it won't happen, but let's be honest. You can't buy Louis Vuitton unless you're drawing a lot of money. And both those Mysterio <laughs> boys like to look good in the locker room. Yes, they do. Ray and Dominic, when it happens, will be memorable for all of the right reasons rather than had they rushed to it a month ago or today or tomorrow where they weren't complete, where they weren't both. Ray is in final form. Ray is, is Ray Mysterio. But let Dominic get there. Dominic is creeping toward that legitimacy that he seeks. And when that clash finally goes down, dude, that's going to be one people are talking about for a long, long time. And what a special moment it'll be. I mean, you're a father, right, Gravy? You're a father, massive wrestling fan. Did he wrestle too? No, my dad didn't wrestle. He was just, a, he was a fan. He, he dabbled in promotion and things like that, but he never actually. Well, can you imagine if you had the chance to get in the ring with your dad? At a, at a wrestle, like, I can't imagine my father. My dad's six foot two, like 300 pounds. My dad, even at his age, was still significantly larger than I am. I got the short end of the gene pool. My younger brother got all the good, the, the genes you want to be a pro wrestler. My brother's six four, two thirty. 230. I, I, I was, you know, I was neglected. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. He's not seven foot three and 403 pounds like Omos is. I mean, oh speaking of big, will we be talking about Omos versus Braun Strowman? In a year yes. from now. Will we be talking about this match we're set to see on yes. Saturday? Yes. The question is, why will we be talking about it, Kevin? That's why we, there is a morbid curiosity that has permeated the WWE universe. The quote-unquote educated, smart corners of the wrestling fandom. The ones who listen to this. The ones who do the research. The, the, the edu- I, I don't like to call them smart fans. I like to call them educated fans, right? You can't figure out this business. You, there is no right answer for everything, but they understand what they're dealing with here. And there's a morbid curiosity on their part as to what kind of car crash this is going to be, because make no mistake, it's going to be a car wreck. You have two of the biggest athletes on earth getting in the ring and colliding. And Braun has been very vocal about what he sees this having the potential to be. Braun put something on social media the other day about how people to this day still talk about Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant because it was larger than life at WrestleMania three and one of the greatest rivalries in history. The emotion isn't there between Omos and Braun yet. It could be. It could happen. They may have spectacular chemistry that lead to this years-long giant supremacy battle. You know, Braun or Omos, who's the bigger batter giant? That's an easy story to understand. If that happened in the MMA world, there, there was a, a guy, I can't remember his name. I think Brock beat him. I believe, he, I believe he was Korean. He was like seven foot tall. Big. He was a giant and he was doing MMA. He wasn't any good, but you wanted to watch it. You were curious. Braun is putting so much pressure on himself to make this thing work, to make this rivalry memorable. You can't bet against Braun. Now look at the shape he's in though. Look at the physique of Braun, whether it's like the black sheep. You look back through the images. He posted it on his social media recently. Black sheep, monster among men, the Strowman Express, and now this version of Braun Strowman, the monster among monsters, uh, monster of all monsters, excuse me. He is in unreal physical condition. He absolutely right now. But is. Also, Omos is too. Omos, I see Omos back in catering, you know, and, and like you see what he's eating, you see the way he's training. And and more than anything, when it comes to Omos, I hate to take it away from him, the guidance of MVP. You called him, it was you called him the genius behind the giant, and that is spot on because he's not just a mouthpiece. I mean, this is someone who's on the phone with Omos several times a day, guiding him throughout his life right now, educating him. And MVP for me, I'd run through a brick wall for him. I, I always say, like, there, there's, there's three guys that stand out to me in WWE right now, as in, for me, back in the locker room, as the best, the most motivational conversationalist that I find. One of them is Shane Helms. I, could, I'd, I wish I could talk to Shane Helms, Hurricane, all day. The other is Edge, and then also MVP, because there's something about him that, that I gravitate towards him, and I see that with Amos right now as well, and his ability to influence and manipulate and guide Amos. So I'm curious to see Omos in the ring alongside Braun Strowman and just see how this match plays out. Listen, it's, it's going to be an attraction, and that's the goal. We know that's what it is. People want to see. It's a curiosity. What is this match going to look like? Is it going to be the greatest match between two super athletic big men in the history of the business? It could be. I, I wouldn't put my own personal money down on that, but it very well could be, especially with the drive that Strowman has exhibited and the pressure that Braun is putting on himself to make this matchup memorable. 
it'll be memorable for one reason or another, either because it's the greatest or it's because it's the modern day Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez, which, you know, I'm sure I'll probably get a, an email about that one. People don't like me bringing that, <laughs> that matchup. <laughs> memorable for all of the wrong reasons. But uh, I, I agree with you, KP, about MVP and what the value he's provided for Omos on a professional level. And to your point, it's not just, hey, it's time for your segment. Oh, let's go find MVP. Let's no, go find Omos. Let's put them together so they walk to the ring together. This is as close to a real-life managerial relationship, a, a mentor-mentee relationship that MVP has gone to great lengths to establish with Omos because P believes that Omos can be one of the greatest big men in history. It's going to take time. It's going to take development. But MVP believes it, and MVP is doing everything in his power to make sure that Omos is where he needs to be to succeed. Yeah, I'd argue Bobby Lashley, for me, was at his apex with MVP by his side. And, and that's totally just agree. as WWE champion, the almighty, I still go back to after the bell, you know, with, with MVP and the build up to the Royal Rumble and the build up to the meeting of Brock and, and Bobby Lashley, uh, which we're going to get into here in a moment. And, and MVP speaking on behalf of Bobby and me having chills listening in the car. I remember I was on the way to Toledo, Ohio, and we're driving through a snowstorm and I'm listening to, to, this, uh, to this interview. And I just think he's an outstanding mentor for anybody right now. And Omos needs that mentorship. And I think he's relishing the opportunity that he's getting alongside MVP. So to see this in shape, like he's always been in shape. I, I take that back. To, to see this physical specimen that is Braun Strowman right now, and then the seven foot three Nigerian giant, bring it on. No matter what it is, if it's a car crash, it's going to be an epic car crash that I will not be able to take my eyes off. It's going to be a couple of 18 wheelers at a high rate of speed coming down the highway undeterred head on because it will be a car crash in Riyadh, no doubt about it. And KP, maybe MVP should uh, pick up his cell phone and dial the number of a certain other great manager, a person who knows how to lead their charges to the mountaintop. He has done it many times over and will look to do it yet again at Crown Jewel as he guides the WWE Undisputed Universal Champion Roman Reigns to battle against social media megastar Logan Paul. He is the wise man of the bloodline. Please welcome Paul Heyman. Paul, first of all, welcome back to After the Bell. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today. As this is released, we are less than one day away from Crown Jewel, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, the epic showdown between the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, and Logan Paul. I know you're paid handsomely as the special counsel to the tribal chief, as the wise man of the bloodline, but I'm going to ask you to look back into your past, into your promoter skills and what has you most excited about everything going down in Riyadh as we approach this event well as much as many people think this is a the very definition of the new approach to combat sports from the Paul brothers from Jake Paul versus a number of former UFC legends or or, or NBA basketball players uh and and calling out Canelo to Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather this appears to be the direction of combat sports that the multi-talented celebrity gets involved and tries to show the pros how to do it. Uh, from a promotional standpoint, this is riding the wave of what is the hottest thing going today. So it's just WWE following a business plan, a business model that has now demonstrated great success across many levels. When this opportunity was presented to you, was it a difficult decision to make to pull the trigger and say, okay, you know what? We do see the, the benefits. We see the box office from where you sit as having a, maybe on paper, not a worthy challenger to a Roman Reigns based on accolades within our industry. But was it exciting or was it something you had to sit and think about knowing what was possible? I didn't have to think about it at all and neither did Roman Reigns. Uh, when I was executive director of Raw, I had pitched Logan Paul to the then chairman Vince McMahon to get involved in a scenario that would ultimately culminate in a SummerSlam or a Survivor Series or a Royal Rumble match. Uh, so I, 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 I had seen the Paul brothers disrupting the boxing industry uh, from the very beginning when they got involved. I mean, they 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 just came in at such a level and with so much fanfare. 
So this this is a no-brainer uh, to the tribal chief, and it's a no-brainer to his special counsel. This is global publicity. This is a chance to take Logan Paul's audience and put those eyeballs on WWE, and more importantly, on Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and the bloodline. And, of course, the desire is to retain as many eyeballs as possible because we're trying to seduce them on our brand of entertainment. Logan Paul, Jake Paul, self-starters. They've made an incredible career for themselves, as have you, Paul Heyman. I'd imagine there's deep-rooted respect for everything they've done from you. I, I have great respect for what they've done simply on YouTube. Uh, you know, their, their, their numbers speak for themselves. I have great respect for what Logan Paul has done with his impulsive podcast. The numbers speak for themselves. And yes, uh, you, you take a look at the numbers at Mayweather versus... For, first of all, for Floyd Mayweather to agree, and this is not Floyd Mayweather now who has now grasped the concept of, of these exhibitions that he's doing. This was a Floyd Mayweather off of the Floyd Mayweather versus McGregor fight, which was just the, one of the most astounding box office figures in the history of boxing. So for Floyd Mayweather to be willing to step into the ring with Logan Paul, it's a lot about Logan Paul. And for Logan Paul to have the testicles to step in, nah, I wouldn't step into the ring with Floyd Mayweather. I don't care that he's five foot two and 115 pounds and Kevin Hart towers over him. I, I, I wouldn't step into the ring with, with Floyd Mayweather. I'd, 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 I'd get my head knocked off my shoulders. So for Logan Paul to be willing, you know, a YouTuber, a kid, a stunt show, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, like an, you know, an impractical joker, uh, the, the, the heir to the, to the uh, jackass and Tom Green generation. And, and for Logan Paul to step into the ring and have to train and get ready for Floyd Mayweather. Uh, yes, very impressed. Very impressed how the Paul brothers have disrupted the entire boxing industry. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. The last time you were on the show, Paul, you had spoken something to the effect of, uh, you're a guy and you've had so much success in this business because you're always thinking down the road. You're not worried about what's happening Saturday. You are looking at what's going to happen in January and then at WrestleMania and in 2024. Off the top of your head, you mentioned how we are embracing, we as in WWE, embracing the, the audience that has been built by the Paul brothers and, and the current state of combat sports. Off the top of your head, is there anything that you're seeing coming down the pike right now as something you would love to steer toward or in the direction of? In terms of concepts or celebrities? All of the above. Every, you're a guy who has a, a, a thumb on the pulse of the entertainment industry, second to none, as far as from our business perspective. Looking across the landscape, maybe both. If it, is there is a, a celebrity that you would love to be involved with or just a, a concept, something that's new and fresh that you see becoming beneficial to WWE? You know, the entire, con the entire concept would be who really fits with our product, who has product knowledge, who can speak eloquently about what we do, and what will they say after their experience here? Uh, it does us no good to bring somebody in and we spend all this time and money and network television time and promotional, uh, put our promotional machine behind somebody. And then they go and write a book and say, what a time I had in WWE. Well, that doesn't do us any good. Uh, the, the idea is to find people that will have some sort of appreciation for the art form that is that is being displayed here on, on, on a nightly basis. And talk to me a little bit more about that. What have you seen from Logan Paul that fits that description? Why is Logan Paul different from insert random celebrity here to, to pop a number or some viewership? Look at his match with The Miz. Uh, he, he, he came to play. This wasn't just a, a, a matter of someone saying, okay, what can I get away with doing? This was someone who wanted to put on a show. This is someone who wanted his match judged against all other matches on the show. And the show was SummerSlam, so it was a pretty damn big event. 
And he was competitive, competitive with everyone else on the show, trying to have the best match of the night, trying to entertain the audience more than any other of, of the featured attractions. That says a lot. That's not someone that's going, okay, okay, just, just tell me what I need to know. And, and okay, I won't, I'll try not to screw it up. This was someone who came to compete with, with everybody else on the roster. Uh, that's, that's really impressive. That's someone who wants it. That's someone who takes this seriously. That's someone who can go to WWE and say, if I hit that one lucky punch, if I become the champion, you got me 365 days years to promote this thing. Because I, I, I'll, I'll be someone that will not be, he, he, won't, he wouldn't be a David Arquette with the title. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be a disgrace. He takes it very seriously. Now, whether this is the end of Roman's reign or not, that's another story. But if by quirk of fate and act of God and, 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 and the skies have a malice towards the tribal chief and Logan Paul becomes the, the undisputed champion, he wouldn't be an unworthy champion. Elaborate on that a little bit more, Paul. Uh, to your point, it, the stars will have to align in a very particular manner for it to happen. But let's just say, devil's advocate, Logan Paul wakes up Sunday as the new undisputed WWE Universal Champion. What does that mean for WWE, for Logan Paul, and, and for the bloodline? Well, the fallout for the bloodline would be so devastating, I wouldn't even begin to speculate as to what would happen to the bloodline with the tribal chief or to Paul Heyman, uh, what would it mean for WWE with Logan Paul himself? It means you'll have a tireless promoter as your champion who will be driven to prove to the world that he's not a one, two, three, four, five match stunt show, that he is someone that takes this industry very seriously, that he signed a contract with WWE wanting to become the best performer on the roster not just wanting to put together a couple matches that could possibly draw some box office and boost his already impressive social numbers. This is someone who is determined, driven, ambitious enough to be the best on the roster. He wanted to be the best boxer. His brother wants to be the best boxer. You can tell his brother wants to be the best boxer because he's calling out Canelo. Yep. <laughs> he's, he's not calling out Joe Scofuzzi. He's, he's calling out freaking Canelo. So his brother wants to be recognized as either the best boxer on the planet or someone willing to compete with the best boxers on the planet. Logan Paul wants to be the single best sports entertainer in WWE, indeed all of sports entertainment, or he's willing to compete for the right to call himself that. And what I love, Paul, is the fact that he's acknowledging how difficult this is. After SummerSlam, you rightly point out the match with The Miz was... was magnificent, yet he goes back on his impulsive podcast and he talks about how difficult this is, this entire world that we live in in WWE. Yet here's Roman Reigns, your tribal chief, at the mountaintop for close to 800 days now. So it's good to see Logan Paul, at least I'm sure, acknowledge just how challenging this is. And he's only had two matches. I don't have anything bad to say about Logan Paul. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's a very impressive young man. He's just not going to upset the tribal chief. Not now, not at this moment in time, not at this juncture in history, not with me and Roman Reigns' corner, not with the momentum of the bloodline, but it's a far more interesting match than most people would have thought it could have been six months ago. Or when Logan Paul was first announced as doing something with WWE and a lot of people said, oh, okay, this is his latest publicity grab or our latest publicity grab even. And instead it's not. Instead, we, we, are, we are seeing the emergence of a performer who's trying to and successfully making an impact. Well, you mentioned not losing the championship while you were in the corner of Roman Reigns. I want to shift your attention just slightly to another match at Crown Jewel regarding another superstar whose corner you spent a great deal of time in, that being the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar, who is going to run it back, throw down yet again with Bobby Lashley. Obviously, the last time this match took place, you had a uh, little hand in the outcome. Now, Paul Heyman is removed from the equation. This is Brock Lesnar, one-on-one, Bobby Lashley. How do you see this playing out? Like a fight. Uh, like a real challenge to Brock Lesnar. 
you know, again, in this time, at this place, in this juncture, at this moment in history, all, all the things I just said about Roman Reigns and Logan Paul, this applies to Bobby Lashley. Uh, Bobby Lashley is an asterisk on the asterisk-less career of Brock Lesnar. This is a very interesting scenario. The first time Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar ever met eye-to-eye inside of a ring was at day one. They collided three times. Bobby Lashley stood over Brock Lesnar all three times. Then they had a match at the Royal Rumble. And talk all you want about Paul Heyman double-crosses Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns smashes Brock Lesnar with the title. And, you know, Bobby Lashley had help nine different ways from Sunday First time they ever met in a one-on-one match, Bobby Lashley pinned Brock Lesnar. That, that, that can't be stripped of Bobby Lashley. Then Brock Lesnar comes back one night, throws a microphone in Bobby's face, takes him to Suplex City and F5s him, and Bobby Lashley responds the very next week on TV, or two weeks later, which, whichever it was, and pulverizes Brock Lesnar face-to-face, fit one man in one One man coming up the aisle, the other man coming down the aisle, and they collided face-to-face with no one having an advantage from the first time they they connected. Bobby Lashley walked away pissed off, and Brock Lesnar had to be helped up out of a broken table, as you know. It seems to be someone that may have Brock Lesnar's number. This is an interesting, interesting, interesting scenario. Brock Lesnar has never thought much of Bobby Lashley. Knowing Brock Lesnar for as long as I do, I would presume Brock Lesnar right now is impressed with Bobby Lashley and knows that he has a fight on his hands and not just a pushover fight to make everybody happy that they got to see the beast. This is this is someone who's challenging, pushing Brock Lesnar to, to his limits, past them even. So I'm very intrigued by this match. And, and uh, you know, there, there's a lot of factors that are not involved in this one, but Brock Lesnar is not in the sights of the tribal chief Roman Reigns. I'm not in Brock Lesnar's corner. Um, MVP is not in Bobby Lashley's corner. So there's absolutely no distractions. It's it, it, it's the will and the power and the resume and the explosiveness of Brock Lesnar against the will and the power and the resume and the explosiveness of Bobby Lashley. This is a fight. Once it's all said and done... If Brock Lesnar is looking up at Bobby Lashley at the end of this matchup, do you think this could be what propels Bobby Lashley to that next level as far as fan perception goes? If you look on paper, Bobby Lashley has had similar accolades, not to the dominant levels of Brock Lesnar. Brock obviously was UFC world heavyweight champion, but Bobby has honed his craft and and been impressive in the mixed martial arts world. Both have been world champions in WWE, but yet Bobby, I think, at this point in his career is still a step behind from fan perception of Brock Lesnar. If Bobby Lashley wins in in Saudi Arabia, does he become viewed on the same plane as the beast? Oh, he certainly should be. If he can beat Brock Lesnar in in their rematch, if he's two and oh against Brock Lesnar. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Bobby Lashley has stepped up in the past few weeks to such an extent what he did to Brock Lesnar in Oklahoma City by, by just leaving him staring up at the ceiling through a through a, a smashed table. Uh, the fight this past Monday on Raw, it's not like Bobby Lashley looked bad in that one either. Uh, Brock, Brock Lesnar took it to the ground and, and Bobby Lashley reversed it. Bobby takes great pride in this. Bobby's been very open and honest about how excited he is even prior to the match. The first time Brock and, and Bobby faced off, Bobby lives for this. Bobby is a combat athlete in his core. Bobby is excited. He said it right here on the show. He was excited because Brock does not care how bad Brock hurts an opponent. And that somehow wound up Bobby Lashley. These two guys are not human. Obviously, you know firsthand regarding Brock Lesnar, but Bobby's of the same mentality. Oh, 100%. 100%. He, He had stepped into the cage once for Bellator. Oh, it it was either Strikeforce or Bellator at the time. In fact, it was Strike Force, and uh, he, he was really, really sick. He had a, he had a terrible training camp. He, he was sick the last three weeks and decided to take the fight anyway. 
Uh, and you could just see the competitive spirit in him. But Bobby Lashley is, is not as publicized as Brock Lesnar. Bob, Bobby Lashley wasn't an NCAA Division I heavyweight champion or the UFC heavyweight champion. And along with that comes a lot of publicity for Brock Lesnar. Bobby Lashley will compete with anybody on the face of the planet. And Bobby Lashley waited 20 years for the opportunity to headline with Brock Lesnar. And whether it be in WWE or UFC or Strike Force or Bellator, it didn't matter to Bobby Lashley. He just wanted to get in there with Brock Lesnar. And he wanted an opportunity to show the world, I'm equal, if not better, than Brock Lesnar. And this is something that Brock did not see coming. This is not someone that was on Brock's radar ever. This is not someone that Brock Lesnar took seriously. And all of a sudden, Bobby Lashley steps up this year at day one at the Royal Rumble in Oklahoma City. And this past Monday on, on in Dallas, Bobby Lashley has made such an impact on the psyche of Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar actually has something and someone to think about right now. Imagine that, because that's not a typical day in the life of the beast. Correct. And you have such a unique perspective here because you were standing by Brock's side at the Royal Rumble. What will be going through his mind right now? What was his main motivation, do you feel, for appearing when he did? And we all expected Seth freaking Rollins to walk through and challenge Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. Instead, it was Brock Lesnar. So clearly there's been something eating away at him for the last seven, eight months. That victory at the Royal Rumble, that Bobby Lashley has the bragging rights to say, I beat Brock Lesnar. That's all. That pisses off Brock Lesnar. I cannot wait to watch these two throw down in Riyadh. Paul, I want to take another step back. I sort of hinted at a question and then I, I cut you off because you're spitting so much knowledge. Uh, I want you to step back a little bit from where you currently sit and look at the business as a whole. You, you are a guy who has proven not only to be experienced and valuable, but you're a survivor. Every tentpole of the last several decades of major impact in sports entertainment, Paul Heyman's been at least around. You, you've your hands in so many different things. You've had so many different roles, worn so many different hats. Obviously, we are in the midst of arguably the biggest shift in sports entertainment, WWE particularly, in the history of the game with the, the current change in regime and leadership. What does that mean to Paul Heyman? What do you see? What do you like? What are you excited about as far as the growth and the future of WWE and the business as a whole? Well, it, it's different than the last transition because the last transition was going to be the end of the New York territory and the beginning of a national and then global expansion because anybody that had seen the rise of Vincent Kennedy McMahon knew that his vision and his goals and his ambitions could not be contained with just the Northeast Territory. He saw the expansion of cable and he, he realized it's a national game now. And, and with, with the eye on, well, once it becomes national, it's going to go international. So it, it, was, it was also the end of professional wrestling in the Northeast and the implementation of sports entertainment and the entire concept of bigger, better, brighter, uh, Madison Avenue friendly, license out uh, action figures and T-shirts and, 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 and memorabilia, et cetera, et cetera. A, the big vision for what was a very enormous contained niche industry. Now we're seeing a regime change of a $5.5 billion publicly traded global conglomerate. Uh, it, it, it's a far different type of progression into the future because the inheritance of the product comes along with the fact that the product is already established with billion-dollar license fees. And therefore, uh, there is an expectation of what the product is. There's not going to be that drastic of a change in the entire concept 
of what we're promoting. To go from Worldwide Wrestling Federation, which then became World Wrestling Federation, to the concept that is now World Wrestling Entertainment, that, that was the last transition. This transition is, what do we do with this World Wrestling Entertainment with its billion-dollar license fees? And how do we progress it into today's culture to dominate today's culture, to compete with the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and Major League Baseball and overseas football and soccer and cricket, et cetera, et cetera, let alone every, every other form of entertainment that's out there. And how do we, how do we use the advantage of, of social media, Web3, Elon Musk is going to colonize Mars, so do, do, do we have a troop ready to go there and start putting on shows as soon as there's enough people to fill an arena that Elon Musk will no doubt built? Uh, will no doubt build, you know, the, uh, the, the the Tesla arena. The new island of relevancy is on Mars. <laughs> it, it, it's what the worlds are watching. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's what do you do with it, with this ridiculously successful company? And how do you skewer the product younger? How do you entice new people to become fans? How do you take a $5.5 billion company and including the revenue that will be anticipated with TV license fees and streaming fees, how do you make it an $8.5 billion company simply because we bring in so many more fans with this implementation of new concepts that we look to the new regime to conceive? It was an excellent answer, but let me ask you this. Uh, you're still a man of great influence and a great magician never reveals his tricks, but something that's safe for the WWE universe to digest right now. What is something Paul Heyman would maybe like to see more of or, or something that you see as a potentially great next step for WWE as a company? It's the same answer I would have given 35 years ago, the same answer I gave in 1993 going into Philadelphia, the same answer I gave in 2001 coming aboard WWE, the same answer I gave Vince McMahon as the executive director of, of Raw. New superstars, new talents, new, new personas, new characters uh, to mix in with those that we care about. If I care about a character and a new character comes in and, and reveals... Sami Zayn... In the bloodline, a perfect example of a catalyst that has now revealed multiple layers of the different personas within the bloodline. We have defined Jey Uso, the right-hand man, far more with Sami Zayn than we did before Sami Zayn. We've defined Jimmy Uso as to which, you know, the, 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 the insult that Roman Reigns laid on uh, Jey Uso when Jay was the first challenger to the title. The insult that Roman Reigns laid on him was, you go through the airports and the fans come up to you and say, which Uso are you? Which twin are you? Which one are you? Nobody says that anymore. Everybody knows who Jay is. Everybody knows who Jimmy is. We've now established the difference between the Usos and they've established it themselves. And they've established it a whole hell of a lot more since Sami Zayn came into the mix. Uh, Sami Zayn comes into the mix at the same time Solo comes into the mix. And we have certainly now had situations where you get to see the persona emerge from Solo. You've seen a completely different side of the Tribal Chief. Tribal Chief wasn't laughing before Sami Zayn. Laughed at a couple of people. Laughed at John Cena. Laughed at Kevin Owens. Laughed at Drew McIntyre. Laughed at Edge and Daniel Bryan when he stepped him in WrestleMania. He wasn't laughing in the middle of a promo segment. Sami Zayn has brought out a completely different wrinkle of the tribal chief Roman Reigns. And my reaction to Sami Zayn and how I deal with this new influence on the tribal chief when I've had the tribal chief's ear the, the whole two years with very brief exception when there was tension caused by Brock Lesnar. Brings out a different dynamic in Heyman as well. So it, one catalyst has completely changed the dynamic within the bloodline, the presentation of the bloodline, and the interpersonal relationships within the bloodline. And it's been the emergence of a star named Sami Zayn. That's a, perfect, that's a perfect storm for us. And new characters in different situations 
or even different characters that have never intermingled, interacted. And putting them together and gauging that chemistry and presenting compelling, riveting scenarios that we haven't done before that reveal the different layers to the dimensional personalities that we try to put forth, that's fascinating television, that's great programming, that's good booking, that leads to different scenarios in the ring that you wouldn't have imagined just a few days, few weeks, few months before. That's that's what I'm looking at. I, I, I don't think the answer ever changes on that. New talent in the mix with talent they haven't mixed with before. Beautiful. Well said. Uh, you were in the ring when Jay Uso said, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief thinks. We all saw the reaction from Roman Reigns. And then later on on SmackDown, Jay was looking to have a word with the head of the table and you said, I'll handle it. You now find yourself in a very delicate position as the special counsel to the tribal chief. How do you plan on handling this potential fracture within the bloodline? Uh, with honesty. Because the tribal chief demands honesty on the island of relevancy. When you're the special counsel, when you're the wise man, you're tasked with delivering news that the tribal chief may not want to hear. But he has to hear it. Someone has to give the bad news. And it might as well be a wise man who is wise enough to know how to phrase it and how to present it and how to package it so that it's, it's not just bitching and moaning and complaining and kvetching. There's no kvetching on the island of, of relevancy, just so. You understand that it's it's just it's it's just it's just a matter of presenting pr presenting the, the the facts, speaking truth to power, and I, I mean I always did that with Brock Lesnar, and I never failed in that task with Brock Lesnar, and I'll always do that for my tribal chief as well. His news he has to hear. Sometimes he's not going to like it, but I'll deliver it. Well, Paul, before we let you go and start your travels to Riyadh, tell us how it's going to play out. What can the WWE Universe expect at Crown Jewel? Roman Reigns, Logan Paul, WWE Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship on the line. Put that silver tongue to use, wise man. What can we expect? Well, what you can expect is the, the, the oldest trick in the book. What outsiders do to insiders in this business. Ask Corey, ask Kevin, what would Roman Reigns' father, Sika, and his uncle, Afa, or any of the Polynesians that ruled this industry for so many years, what would they do to an outsider? What, what did Afa and Sika do to these NFL football players from San Francisco or, or from Oakland that used to come into the gym during the offseason and go, oh, yeah, um, uh, I, I, I could be a pro wrestler. And then they get in there with Offen Sika, and the next thing you know, you have an NFL football player who spends the offseason with his ankle in a cast because his ankle got snapped by Offa or Sika. Or these NHL tough guys that would come in with, with their hockey sticks that would be shoved in a most uncomfortable place. And then they would sit there and go home and have to pull it out. And, oh, my God, what happened? Oh, I brought my hockey stick. And I thought these wrestling guys were, you know, what you, what you think about wrestling guys and any. How many, how many tough men of the year or, you know, bouncer of the decade came in going, I'm 6'3", I'm 300 pounds, I can wrestle. And then often Seek could take them down to the mat and, 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 and rub their nose and break their face and separate their shoulders and separate ligament from bone and tendon and ripped up tendons. And, oh, my God. God, what 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 they use the, the legendary story of of of, uh, of of Hiro Matsuda and Duke Kiyomuka training Hulk Hogan and breaking his leg in, in, in his first attempt to become a pro wrestler. That's so it's what happens to outsiders by the hands of insiders in this industry. So Logan Paul's training with HBK Shawn Michaels, which which means okay, he's bringing sweet chin music. Uh, he's going to do a kip up. Uh, he's he's going to be even more flamboyant, and uh, and, and he's going to be he's going to be bouncing off the ropes using momentum and speed. And there is a, and there is a thing in boxing, you know, speed kills. So speed is going to be very seductive to Logan Paul, and the tribal chief is going to stand his ground. The tribal chief's going to look for an opening. 
the tribal chief's going to entertain the people in Riyadh and watching what happens in Riyadh. And he's going to give you a show, a show that no other sports entertainer can give you because he is your tribal chief, because he is the head of the table, because he is the greatest sports entertainer on the face of the planet today and of all time. And then he's going to decide it's time to go home. I want to get on the jet. I'm hungry. This, this 265-pound, badass, undisputed heavyweight champion, Sam Moen, wants to eat dinner. And he's going to smash Logan Paul. Bad. Fugly. And he's going to put a beating on Logan Paul. And he's going to show the world that Anderson the Spider Silver may have been the greatest mixed martial artist of all time and can't step into the boxing ring with Jake Paul. But Roman Reigns is the greatest of all time here. And Logan Paul can't handle Roman Reigns. And that'll be demonstrated by that insider against that outsider. This Saturday, November 5th, from Riyadh at WWE Crown Jewel. From the wise man's lips to God's ears, Roman Reigns, Logan Paul, streaming live WWE on Peacock. Wise man, thank you for your time. You are always welcome, always valued here on After the Bell. We appreciate it. I thank you both. KP, I got to get your reaction. Your first time getting to sit down and chop it up properly with the wise man. What an experience. I'm like a giddy child over here. When he's setting the table for the head of the table, it makes me want to go and eat. And he's talking about Roman being hungry and finishing off Logan Paul. He's totally and utterly convinced me that Logan Paul could get devoured, you know, at this thing. And we've heard an awful lot about one lucky punch. Sure. Gravy. Sure. But like, this is Roman Reigns we're talking about. And Roman Reigns is going to want to make a hell of a statement against a fellow who's only had two matches in WWE. I completely agree with you. I can't not buy into every word that slips past the lips of the special counsel, Paul Heyman, one of the most brilliant minds ever in this business, period, bar none. I put him up there, I mean, top five most influential human beings. The guy knows his stuff. He knows what he's talking about. I have a hard time disbelieving him. However, I noticed one thing, KP, that Heyman is usually all too excited to deliver. What's that? It's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. Paul Heyman didn't give us any spoilers. You're right. I don't know if maybe I'm reading too much into that, if it wasn't what he was prepared to spit out, but it seems like just like the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, before Roman Reigns or even back to Brock Lesnar would defend their title, Paul Heyman was all too happy to deliver not a prediction, but a spoiler. I somehow just got even more intrigued about the match going down in Riyadh. Well spotted. I've bought myself a new Lazy Boy. I'm going to be chilling out. I'm going to have the notes ready to go. And I'm going to enjoy Crown Jewel 12, noon Eastern on Saturday. Peacock, let's be having you, Gravy. Hey, man, we, uh, we made it. We made it through a first episode without any sort of crazy, disastrous circumstances. Uh, where can the ATB faithful find Kevin Patrick on the social medias? Yeah, so my name is Kevin Patrick Egan. And my social media as of now is just simply at Kev underscore Egan, E-G-A-N. We hope you all enjoyed this new episode of this new iteration of the greatest sports entertainment podcast in the land. Before I let you go, on a personal note, I just want to send a shout out and a massive thank you to everybody who's been there for me during a very pressing personal week. I don't want to dive into it. Don't want to bring anybody down. Just want to say thank you. It's gone a long way. I value each and every message, text, tweet, everything I've gotten. It means a lot to me and my family. So thank you for helping me through a really, really rough, miserable week. But we're back. ATB's back. Crown Jewel is going down. It is going to be an epic, epic event. Make sure you do not miss a moment. Make sure you never miss an episode here of ATB. Make sure you're listening for free on Spotify. Just search after the bell. Hit the follow button. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. <laughs> <laughs>